You're listening to the Paleo NP Podcast, episode number 19. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome to this week's episode of the Paleo MP Podcast. I'm excited to talk about all things adrenal fatigue this week, but before we get into that, let's talk about something new I'm into. You are probably going to laugh at this, but this week I'm into chicken wings. I've never really understood the whole chicken wing craze. They always seemed like a lot of work for just a little bit of meat, but then I bought some on sale and I cooked them in the oven and then made an amazing sauce for them and they were so good. Yeah, they were a lot of work to eat, but it was totally worth it. So now I'm totally a chicken wing convert. My favorite part is definitely coming up with a delicious sauce to put on them. And I've decided that I like to cook them in the oven without sauce and get them nice and crisp and then coat them with the sauce after they're cooked. Then you get maximum crispness and flavor. So good. All right, now on to adrenal fatigue. We've talked a lot on this podcast about food and how that affects your health, but there are other aspects of health that are just as, if not more, important than food. And one thing that you really need to start doing if you haven't already is listening to your body. And I know that a lot of people struggle with that because they just don't really know what it means. And unfortunately, it's not a skill that can be taught, but rather it's something that needs to be practiced. And I think I've said this before, but doing something like a Whole30 or an elimination diet is actually a really great exercise for this because it forces you to tune into some of the signals that your body is giving you regarding hunger and how you actually are feeling related to what you're eating. The other thing that's important here, and I talked about this um, in one of the first episodes, about is about food reintroductions and being really honest with yourself with how those foods are actually making you a, a feel. But this applies to other areas too. So you need to get really honest with yourself about what is and isn't working for you with regards to your health. And the other thing you might want to do before you listen to this episode is pretty much forget everything you think you know about adrenal fatigue because it's not actually what you think it is. It's not really that your adrenal adrenal glands are giving up on you, even though that may be what you've heard elsewhere. This is something that I personally have struggled with and still struggle with, although with me, the line is pretty blurry between chronic fatigue and adrenal fatigue at at times. And also, if anything I talk about in this episode really resonates with you and you're looking for someone to ask more questions about adrenal fatigue, or if you're looking to work with somebody who has a lot of experience in this area, both personally and clinically, I do have some one-on-one client spots open right now. So feel free to email me or reach out on Instagram if you're interested. All right, so adrenal fatigue is one of those health conditions that conventional medicine says is fake, and even some functional and holistic medical practitioners say it's not a real thing, but yet there are thousands of people out there who say they have it. 
It's gone from just a handful of functional medicine practitioners being aware of it to a place where everywhere you look, there are supplements and diets that say they'll cure you of adrenal fatigue, which isn't necessarily a good indicator of the medical science so much as the fact that there are a lot of people out there who have self-diagnosed based on various symptom lists, and it means that people are really desperate and want to feel better, so they're willing to pay for it. Adrenal fatigue is a catch-all term for a whole bunch of nonspecific symptoms that are associated with hormone dysfunction, and they can be traced back to the adrenal glands. But the more accurate term that isn't as well recognized amongst the general public, but is better understood by most functional medicine practitioners, is HPA access dysregulation, and that stands for hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. So what is this long list of nonspecific symptoms that we're dealing with here? Well, as I said, the list is long and it covers a wide range of things, which is why pretty much everyone thinks that they have it. So things like sleep disturbances, insomnia, extreme fatigue, loss of menstrual cycle, irregular menstrual cycle, low libido, thyroid dysfunction, exercise intolerance, or slow exercise recovery. So this is often described as feeling like you worked out much harder than you actually did. So if you did yoga, but you actually feel like you lifted weights for hours. Anxiety, depression, low blood pressure, weight gain, joint pain, weak immune function, leaky gut, digestive issues, and brain fog. If these symptoms are ignored or the root cause is left untreated, then this can get worse and turn into hypothyroid, insulin resistance, and severe blood sugar dysregulation, low immune function and frequent illness, extreme fatigue, and more. One of the problems here is that these symptoms often show up in someone who is otherwise healthy and has normal lab results. And this is exactly what happened to me. I started noticing some of these issues like extreme fatigue, cold intolerance, which falls under hypothyroid type tendencies, weight gain, and weight loss resistance. I went to see my doctor and they did a bunch of labs, all of which came back as normal. So they sent me on my way, except that I still felt awful, which made this really not helpful for me. Most conventional doctors and healthcare practitioners don't actually think that adrenal fatigue is a real thing. So if you go to them and tell them that's what you think you have, you'll probably get a strange look and a quick change of subject. But if you see a functional medicine practitioner and they are at least familiar with the term and the range of symptoms, and the fact that these are often present at what's called a subclinical level. So that might mean that they don't show up on a lab test, but you do have symptoms. One thing that I think is really important to mention here is that science is constantly changing and evolving, especially related to medicine and nutrition. So what we knew to be true even just five years ago can be drastically different than the way we understand something today. Just look at all of the things that have happened with the concept of whether or not butter is healthy over the past 60 plus years. At one point, it was considered just a normal food that you ate every day. Then someone decided that butter would kill you. And now we're swinging back around to the idea that butter is perfectly healthy and more healthy than some of the alternatives. This is definitely true with adrenal fatigue as I alluded to at the beginning of this episode. The way we understood it several years ago is very different from the way that we understand it today. The previous understanding of adrenal fatigue is that after being under chronic stress for a prolonged period of time, the adrenal glands essentially got tired and quit producing cortisol, which is what coined the term adrenal fatigue. This idea that the adrenals just sort of quit if they are working too hard for too long came from the work of a Canadian endocrinologist, Hans Selye, and what he called the general adaptation syndrome. He spent many years studying the effects of chronic stress, and what he observed are essentially what was adapted as the stages of adrenal fatigue. 
So first you see high levels of cortisol, DEA, and pregnenolone in response to stressors, which is a normal response. And then over time, as you continue to be exposed to the stressors, which is what chronic stress is, the levels of those hormones begin to decline. These levels continue to decline until you reach what was formerly known as adrenal exhaustion or adrenal failure, where those levels of hormones are extremely low. And the original thinking was that the adrenal glands essentially got tired from constantly producing high levels of these hormones to keep up with the demand from the continued exposure to stress. And they eventually lost their ability to produce these hormones, and that how it, that's how it got the name adrenal fatigue. But since there has been an increasing number of studies done in this area in the past few years, we now know that this isn't exactly an accurate description of what's going on. It's normal for your cortisol levels to vary throughout the day. In a healthy person, so a person without adrenal fatigue, they start to rise in the morning as soon as you wake up, and they continue to rise until they peak around noon, and then they begin to drop off throughout the afternoon and the evening. This allows you to be able to wind down at night and eventually to go to sleep. This also makes cortisol a really important piece of our circadian rhythms, which makes having your cortisol at its highest level when the sun is at its highest make sense. With adrenal fatigue, the level of cortisol throughout the day doesn't follow this pattern. So a lot of people experience something called tired but wired, where you can barely get out of bed in the morning, but then when you try and go to sleep at night, you feel exhausted but can't fall asleep. I have definitely been here and it is no fun. There is a very rare condition where your adrenal glands do stop producing cortisol, and this is called Addison's disease. This is an autoimmune disease where the antibodies attack the adrenal glands, which is similar to the way Hashimoto's thyroiditis works, but it's your adrenal glands and not your thyroid. Addison's causes adrenal insufficiency, where the adrenals don't produce sufficient amounts of cortisol. And even though we used to think that the adrenals got worn out from producing too much cortisol and just quit, this is not what's actually happening in adrenal fatigue, and Addison's disease is pretty rare. So if you're experiencing the symptoms of adrenal fatigue, it's actually very unlikely that it's Addison's disease. Now, most people who experience the symptoms I talked about earlier don't actually have low cortisol. The saliva test that most practitioners use to measure cortisol levels actually only measures about 3-5% to of the total cortisol that's available in your body. So while the saliva test might tell you that your cortisol level is low, the amount of cortisol that's actually in your body might be within the normal range or even high, but you're still having all the symptoms of adrenal fatigue. Then there are people who are experiencing these symptoms who do actually have low cortisol, but it's not because your adrenals got tired and quit working. That would actually be a sign of a much more serious disease as we just talked about. The production of cortisol is controlled by your brain, your pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, and your central nervous system, not by your adrenal glands, which means that the problem is actually further up the chain than at your adrenals. The way your body is supposed to respond to stress is that when your HPA axis is activated, more on that in a minute, your body releases cortisol and epinephrine, which is also called adrenaline, and this puts your body into what's called fight or flight mode. This allows you to run out of the way of danger or stand your ground and fight. And then once the stressor is no longer an issue, your cortisol levels decrease and your body goes into rest and digest mode, or you've died because you got eaten by a bear, but either way, the stress response gets turned off or has an end. So if your adrenals aren't actually going on strike and not producing cortisol anymore, then what is actually happening in adrenal fatigue? 
hold on to your hats or in my case, your nerdy computer glasses, because we're going to get into some physiology here, but I'm going to try to make this as simple and straightforward as possible because sometimes this stuff can get a little confusing. So the HPA axis is what your body uses to manage stress. So that stands for the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. The hypothalamus is essentially the master of your endocrine system, and it stores a lot of the hormones that are responsible for telling other hormones in other parts of your body what they should be doing. The pituitary gland tells your hypothalamus and all the hormones in the hypothalamus what to do and when to do it. And then there are your adrenal glands, which are where the hormones that your body releases into in response to stress comes from. So cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and aldosterone. So your HPA axis is responsible for controlling the stress response in your body. A stressor activates the HPA axis and hormones and neurotransmitters are released. And as I talked about before, every stressor that you encounter activates the same stress response in your body. So even though there are things that are labeled as good stress, like exercise, from a physiologic perspective, it's all the same. And the same is true for bad stress. So whether it's a small stressor or a big stressor. If you're walking on a trail in the woods with your dog and suddenly a moose charges across the trail and scares you, true story, this happened to me a few weeks ago, your heart rate will spike, your blood sugar spikes, you get a little tense, and your body starts to divert blood away from your digestive and reproductive systems, and it all goes to your muscles instead so that you can run away and save your life if you need to. Or in the case of the moose on the trail, you back away slowly and hope that its mom doesn't show up to trample you and your dog. So this is an appropriate response, and as I mentioned before, it's called your fight-or-flight response. In the case of being faced with grave danger in hunter-gatherer days, it would have helped save your life by allowing you to fight the saber-toothed tiger or run away. The problem lies in the fact that the same response, with all of the same physiologic changes, happens every time you encounter any type of stressor. Your body eventually reaches a point where this response is doing more harm than good. So if you're sitting in a meeting at work and you have the same reaction when your boss gets up and starts talking, while you may actually want to run away, you're not really in any danger, so there's no benefit to having the fight or flight response. Other things that can cause this response when it's not helpful are over-exercising, under-eating, high-intensity exercise without proper recovery, a stressful job, multiple jobs, a job you hate, an inflammatory diet, not getting enough sleep, drinking too much coffee or alcohol, and even using your phone late at night when you should be sleeping. The way your body deals with stress in the short term is that when cortisol is released and you have all of the corresponding physiologic changes that occur, which remember are helpful in the short term when you are actually in danger, but if they're continually activated and cortisol continues to be released in response to more low-level or chronic stress, it's harmful over the long term because it actually makes it hard for your body to respond to stress in the same way every time. Remember rest and digest mode? Your body is actually meant to be here most of the time. But with the way we live in modern times, most of us are actually in fight-or-flight mode more often than not, or at the very least a few times per day. And your body has a threshold for this chronic stress that it can handle before things start to break down and bad stuff starts to happen. What happens is that there is a dysregulation of the output of cortisol. So sometimes it's too much and sometimes it's not enough. So that tired but wired feeling you get at night is too much cortisol too late at night. And not being able to get out of the bed in the morning is not enough cortisol in the morning when it should start to increase. 
You also can get some dysregulation of other hormones and neurotransmitters in this process. So things like DHEA, melatonin, thyroid hormones, and sex hormones. One thing I do want to say here is that stress is not a bad thing and cortisol isn't the enemy, even though it might sound like that's the case. You have a stress response to help you survive. Can you imagine standing on the sidewalk and having a car swerve towards you and almost hit you and just not having any desire to run away at all? That's what would happen if you didn't have a stress response. So it is necessary to our survival even in modern times. But the best thing you can do is learn how to handle the non-life-threatening stress that you have in your life because stress is a part of life and there is almost no way to change that. But what you can do is learn how to respond or react to it in a different way that helps to keep this stress response from being triggered day after day after day. Cortisol is also not a bad thing. It helps to regulate your blood sugar, plays a role in metabolism, it gives you energy, and it does have powerful anti-inflammatory properties. So when you cross the threshold at which your body can no longer effectively manage your stress response is when you start to get into trouble. And what happens here is that your body loses its sensitivity to cortisol, which suppresses your immune system. And this is why chronic stress contributes to disease. So even though we call this adrenal fatigue, the reason that the list of symptoms is so long and has such a wide range is because everything that's regulated by the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, or the adrenals can actually be affected. So this includes the thyroid, the gut, the brain, metabolism, and your reproductive system. So adrenal fatigue really isn't a very good name for this, but it's what we use commonly, so I guess we'll stick with it. There are two things that are actually happening here. So one is the downregulation of the HPA axis, and the other is cortisol resistance. What both of these things have in common is that they are an attempt by your body to adapt to be more efficient at handling chronic stress, which means that these things are a result of your body doing its job trying to protect you and help you survive. So while a lot of us might feel like our bodies are letting us down, the reality is that we have actually let our bodies down by constantly being stressed and forcing it to keep up for so long. It's just trying to do its job and trying to protect us. And I think that all of the supplement recommendations and diets that are out there that say that they will treat adrenal fatigue, while helpful to a certain point, don't actually address this very serious issue that we need to take responsibility for our health. And it's not always easy as taking a pill or eating certain foods. We need to evaluate where this stress is coming from and why and actually fix it or find a way to make it feel less stressful for us. And just like I talked about with digestion, people don't want to deal with these internal causes of things. They want pills and potions because that's the easier thing. So when we are exposed to chronic stress, your body wants to protect you from the harmful effects of exposure to continually high levels of cortisol. So one thing it can do is decrease the sensitivity of the receptors that are involved in the HPA access pathways. And as I said, this is your body trying to protect you What ends up happening is that it leads to a decreased ability to produce cortisol when faced with stress in the future. And this has to do with the brain via the hypothalamus telling the adrenals not to produce so much cortisol, not the adrenals being unable to produce it. So the best way to describe why this happens is to think about it like a thermostat in your house. So the heat in your house rises above what you have your thermostat set at. And if you don't live in Alaska, when this happens, the air conditioning turns on in order to bring the temperature back down to the level that the thermostat is set at. 
The same thing happens with cortisol. So after the cortisol is released into your system, it stays there for an hour or two, even after the stressor is gone, and eventually it reaches your brain, which essentially activates the air conditioner. So your brain tells your hypothalamus to stop your body from releasing the hormone that tells cortisol to circulate in your body. So your body uses this negative feedback loop to turn your stress response off when it thinks that there's enough cortisol in your system, because when you have enough, you don't need to produce more. In adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysregulation, this feedback loop gets kind of out of whack. Either the hypothalamus isn't sending the signal to have the adrenals produce cortisol, which causes low cortisol levels, or it continues to send the signal even in the presence of high cortisol, which causes continuously high levels of cortisol. The other thing that can happen is cortisol resistance. And this is similar to insulin resistance, which we talked about in episode six. Continually elevated cortisol levels lead to a decrease in the sensitivity of the receptors as well as a decrease in the number of receptors. Again, this is a protective mechanism, but it ends up leading to low cortisol over an extended period of time. And this happens because if the body is less sensitive or if your body has a decreased number of receptors, then there's only a certain amount of cortisol that can actually get into the receptors. And when your body releases a normal amount and only a fraction of that gets into the receptors, there is much more circulating in your system, which activates the negative feedback loop we just talked about. And then your body starts to produce less cortisol because it thinks that there's already plenty in your system. So again, while this may feel like your body is completely betraying you, it's actually doing exactly what it's supposed to do and try to protect you. So adrenal fatigue isn't actually real in the sense that your adrenals are not getting tired and giving up, but HPA axis dysregulation is very real and is a protective mechanism for your body. And honestly, it doesn't really matter what you call it because the root cause for any of them is the same. And that's chronic exposure to stress, which means that the treatment is going to be similar if you are actually addressing the root cause here. So I think I'm going to end this episode here and do another whole episode devoted to what to do about adrenal fatigue, because I think there are some things that warrant further discussion and I don't want to just gloss over them. Plus we got pretty heavy into some physiology and I want to make sure that you have a chance to digest and really understand what's going on before we talk about the treatments, which means that's all I've got for you this week. If you have questions specifically about adrenal fatigue, please send those to me because I can address them in the next episode. You can email them to me or come find me on Instagram. Also, as I mentioned, I've got space for a couple of one-on-one clients if this is something that you really want to work on or if you have questions and want to figure out what a good course of action for you would be. You can send me an email if that's something that interests you. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would leave me a rating on iTunes. Show notes for this episode are available at marthaflorence.com episode 19. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week. 